This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today is episode 10. We hit double figures, baby. Uh, I am super excited to say that we are in episode 10. When I started the podcast, I had no idea if I was even going to be able to do one episode, let alone 10. So to, well, not start the year, because obviously last episode was the first one of the new year. But you know, to kind of start the new year with double figures is bloody exciting. Um, okay, let, let's let's get on with it. So today I am going to start with a question. In fact, I'm going forward, I'm going to start every episode with a question. So in line with the interview today, I want to know whether there's a social media channel or form of marketing that you've always wanted to use or master, but not been able to because either, I don't know, you've been too afraid or maybe you're too overwhelmed by it, whatever the reason. So you can answer that either in my Facebook group, 13 Steps to Evil, um, or by tweeting me at Rebel Author Pod, or emailing me at Rebel Author... Mm, <laughs> I think it's... No, sorry. Rebel Author Podcast at gmail.com. Let's just move on from that. Okay, so actually, I need to answer... <laughs> I need to answer the question, don't I? Okay, so for me, I love the idea of having a YouTube channel, but I am far too overwhelmed at the prospect of all the editing, all the clipping, working out special effects, um, and all things like that. And also starting again on a platform from scratch, just much as I love the idea, I'm just like, no, to having to... (laughs) start again essentially. So yes, I am going to stick to podcasting for now. That said, I do load all of my podcasts onto YouTube. So if you prefer listening on YouTube, feel free to head over and search for Sasha Black or I will add the link into the show notes. I've been talking about rebel author merchandise forever or at least what feels like forever. However, I am super excited to say that the designs are all done and the store is live. I am, I toyed with using Teespring and also um, Society6 and a couple of others, but I decided to go with Redbubble because um, I had good, basically, recommendations that the quality was quite good and they are slightly more expensive than some other stores, but because of the quality, I always, you know, if I want to buy merch, then I want it to last me a long time, not just fall apart in the washing and all the, you know, um, printing to peel off. So that's who I've gone with. And there are mugs and journals and jumpers and stickers and all kinds of stuff. So I will put the link in the show notes and you can brandish yourself as a super defined rebel like me. Today's book recommendation is You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life by Jen Sincero. 
I read this book last year and absolutely loved it. It's 50% motivation or, you know, like motivation inspiration and 50% kick-ass. So I think all of you will appreciate that as much as I do. I have put links in the show notes to that as well. In personal project progress news, wow, Christmas just fucking killed my productivity. I got the square sum of sweet fuck all done over Christmas. I don't know about you guys. In fact, I would love to know uh, what you guys... Hey, we have a second question this week. What what did you guys get done? Um, yeah, what... what <laughs> did you get anything done? Did you get any words done? Uh, because I did not. I am very rapidly discovering that I find it nigh on impossible to get anything done when I have other people in the house. Now, I will caveat that because I can get things done, but they are the things that are less important. It's the, you know, the busy work. I can do emails and admin, but I can't actually create anything. I need silence and, okay, I'm gonna get a bit hooey and, you know, hippie now, but, um, when other people are in the house, the energy is different. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I feel like it's, you know, it's a much more interrupty. That's not what I mean. You know, the, just the feeling of the house is different. Whereas when everybody's at work or school, all of a sudden, all of the energy drops. It's it's very still, it's quiet, it's peaceful. And so then my creative brain will kick in and I am able to get words done. Um, in other personal use, I don't know why I'm going to admit this, but I am ad-libbing and adding this too. I quit sugar. Not for New Year. It isn't a New Year's re- resolution. I just decided that I was going to do 30 days without sugar because, wow, I was eating a lot of sugar. Like, Christmas did not help. Um, but just generally, since I left my job and I have been doing this full time, need to be a little bit careful with the amount of sugar I'm eating because I sit down a lot. So yeah, I decided to, it just, it just so happened that it coincided with the new year. Um, I'm only doing 30 days and shout out to uh, Paddy, uh, Paddy Finn, who is doing this with me. And wow, I have had a, what date? Hang on. What date is it today? Okay. I'm recording this on the 5th of January. My headache has still not gone. I've had a thumping fucking headache for five very long days. And um, this morning it was so bad, I actually thought I was going to vomit. So yeah, anybody else quitting sugar now in pain with me? Uh, Any solidarity or, or New Year's resolutions? Like if you are doing New Year's resolutions, just shout them out, tell me, I will give you a shout out. Okay, next. So when my son goes back to school on Tuesday next week, which will be the day before this airs, I will be throwing myself into uh, finishing The Anatomy of Prose. I am going to be pissed if I don't get it done by the end of January. So here's me saying I need to get it done. Fingers crossed I do. Uh, Okay, Listener Rebel of the Week. This week, it's Amy Sund. Amy says, my younger brother is almost four years my junior. That made him the perfect age for manipulation. And I wasn't that fond of him when we were young. Consequently, we're now the best of friends and he actually lives upstairs from me. I think that is wicked as a side note. 
Uh, he was able to walk probably around two, and we were all in the basement of the house for some forgotten reason, but not in the same room. I took my brother and put him in the dryer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should laugh. <laughs> but uh, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> I think this is hilarious. Anyway, I took my brother and put him in the dryer, told him to be quiet. He did everything I told him to for a really long time. And then I shut the door. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it took my parents quite a while to find him because I did not tell him where he was and he made no noise for some time. Oh my God, that poor, poor boy. Amy, that is amazing. Um, Oh my God, I literally have tears from trying to hold in an absolute gut-wrenching belly laugh. Uh, but that is so evil. <laughs> brilliant so well done on being um this week's rebel fantastic story uh so a little plea from me to all of you guys listening if you would like to be a rebel of the week in fact no don't 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 like to be just be a rebel of the week please send me in your stories so that um i can read them out if you would like to then uh, you can email me at rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. No new patrons today, but a big thank you to all my current patrons who help to ensure that this podcast continues. And on that note, if you're a patron and you're listening and you haven't received your surprise gift in the post, then please do send me your postal address via Patreon or to my email sashablack at sashablack.co.uk. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus essays, posts and content, you can by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C, not an S. On with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am with Jenna Moresi. Jenna is a Silicon Valley native and YouTube sensation, dominating the authortube com community with her straightforward and hilarious writing channel. A lifelong storyteller, Jenna specializes in crafting thrilling adventures with heaping doses of bloodshed and romance. When she's not writing or tubing, Jenna enjoys angry music, potent wine, and laughing until her face hurts with her goofball fiance. Welcome, Jenna. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. No. Honestly, the honor is all mine. For anybody who has not heard of Jenna, what are you actually doing with your life? Um, <laughs> I have been watching Jenna's uh, YouTube videos forever and uh, she is absolutely hilarious. So I really, really uh, implore you to go and watch uh, her videos. However, do it with headphones and not near small children. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Which is why you're here, because, you know, you're a perfect match. Um, <laughs> exactly. So t tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and your writing journey. How did you get from first book idea to where you are now? Well, in terms of my writing journey, I've wanted to be an author pretty much my entire life. Basically, when I was six years old, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do the end, <laughs> like I figured it out. Um, but like a lot of authors, especially, you know, 20 or so years ago, um, I received a lot of, you know, flack, you know, from family and friends. Everyone said, it's not really a career. You're going to, you know, be destitute. You won't be able to make it into anything. It's you just a hobby. Now. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but ba- basically, you know, after, uh, you know, a couple of decades of that kind of talk, I was like, okay, fine, fine. I will pursue a quote unquote normal job. And I went to college. I majored in finance. I got a very good, respectable job in finance. And um, I think like a, a year or two into that job, I just remember coming home one day and thinking, I hate this so much. And every single, like there was this, I, I knew I hated it, but there was this epiphany of, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Just spend every day going to a job that I hate and coming home and then having like 12 million glasses of wine. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just just like, I need to like, I need to get rid of the, the feeling of being there. And I just, I just thought to myself, you know what? I don't think that I can do this especially when there are other things that I'm good at and passionate about that I would rather be spending my time doing. And I knew, you know, that writing was a long shot, but I figured, you know what, I'm an adult. I'm just going to give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least I can say I tried. So I started writing my first novel, Eve the Awakening, while I was um, off of work. So I would go to work, come home, start writing. And I did that for several years. And Again, a lot of people were like, oh, that's cute, Jenna. That's special. Isn't that sweet? She's got hopes and dreams. You know, they were very condescending, uh, very, uh, um, you know, embarrassed for me, I would say. A lot of people were in- embarrassed on my behalf. Like, you think that I told them I became a drug mule? They were just yeah. like, oh, my gosh, Jenna, you can't tell people this. You know, it was, it was not... A proud moment <laughs> for a lot of people um, and uh, but I just kept trucking along and I figured I'm just going to try and um, the more I learned about the publishing industry the mo- more I realized a lot had changed since I was a kid um, indie publishing self-publishing was now a thing and it had become oh, yeah. a Exactly. <laughs> a lot more possible to make it. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm just gonna keep at it. Um, then we had a little bit of a, a wrench in the in the, thrown in the situation. Um, my fiance uh, suffered a major accident and broke his spine. And I had to quit my job, my, you know, respectable job in finance and (laughs) stop, stop writing for a while so I could sign on to be his caregiver. And while I was going through that, um, you know, when someone very close to you, uh, you know, almost dies and um, when you're put into that kind of situation, it sort of changes your outlook on life. And it kind of reminds you that we could die at any moment. We don't have a lot of time on this earth. So I got to make use of the time that I have now. Um, And it made me less risk averse. So I, uh, once he was well enough where I could start writing again and start working on my platform again, I started my YouTube channel just to give it a shot. I had no expectations. Um, I was, my goal was a hundred (laughs) subscribers. And then when I, when I, yeah. Did you manage that? I know it's shocking, but it's true. Um, And and then when I hit a hundred, I was like, I'm going to be very audacious and overzealous and go for a thousand. Like that to me was just like the pinnacle of, you know, YouTube success. Um, But 
you know, <laughs> long story, a little bit less long, uh, the channel took off. And by the time I released my first book, I was able to make YouTube and writing my full-time job, which I had never seen being a possibility. I, my best case scenario was it would be a lucrative part-time gig. Um, but the channel did really, really well. My first book did really well. My second book did even better. And now I am actually making almost double what I made at that respectable finance job <laughs> that everyone was so proud of me for. So now, uh, I mean, I guess I am living proof that you can definitely make writing a career and not be destitute. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, it's all of the fuck yeahs right now because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's such a story of empowerment and also of persistence and just not giving up. And you know, mm -hmm. so many writers when it, when the going gets tough, you know, lots of writers don't even finish their book, let alone continue in the face of adversity and loved ones, you know, giving them the, the patronizing opinions and the, I can't think of the words, but you know, that, that kind of skepticism. And, and actually, if you just continue, you can get there. Exactly. And now, I mean, it's totally, everyone's changed their tune. All the quote unquote friends that I had back then suddenly popping back up. Oh my gosh, Jenna, look at you, girlfriend, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're like, Hey, we should go out and, you know, get brunch. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Bye. And my family, they were, you know, the first once my first novel came out and performed well, um, they were the first to be like, wow, you totally proved us wrong. Like we're really, really proud of you. And now it went from being like, oh my gosh, Jenna, like don't tell people you're writing a book to my daughter's writing a book. You should buy it. Here it is. Like they've become my little, uh, you know, fan club and it's really, really sweet. And, you know, um, I appreciate it. I honestly never thought that day would come. And a lot of people ask me, they're like, what do you do if your family doesn't support you? And I'm like, you're not writing the book for them. You're mm -hmm. writing it for you. So if your family doesn't support you, that sucks. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. You mm -hmm. just do the thing because it's not for them. It's not about them. It's about you. So just say, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. Um, the politest fuck you for now. <laughs> And then just continue writing your book, you know? I mean, like, at the, and that's kind of how I looked at it. I mean, I didn't say fuck you to my parents. I love my parents. But, but I was, the way I looked at it was, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm an adult. And this is the decision I'm making. And if you don't like it, that's, that's something you can deal with. <laughs> I, I think, I hope that anybody, I hope that there are some people listening who hear the message that, you don't have to get to a pain point in order to make this decision because um, obviously you had very horrible life circumstance happen, which although mm -hmm. you'd already made the decision to start writing, it obviously tipped you over the edge in, into another level of determination. And uh, for me, I, you know, I, I think I'd gone probably six or eight weeks of crying every single day at work. And, and my real low point was I was in a tree, basically having a nervous breakdown when it was raining. <laughs> so like everybody most of the authors that I know that got to the point where they then decided to leave <clears throat> got to this pain point but if, if there's somebody listening who's in pain just fucking quit just quit mm -hmm. just do it because you will find a way to make the money um exactly so <clears throat> YouTube 
is an odd one for an author. So not, not every author is an, is an introvert, but obviously lots of authors are introverts. So mm. why YouTube, which is such an extroverted social media platform? Yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. And the funny thing was, um, was that for years before I started my channel, people had been telling me, like lots of people, it had become a thing, had been telling me, you should do YouTube, you have the personality for it. And I'm like, that's funny, because I'm an introvert who hates people and hates talking to people. Very weird that you think I have the personality for this. But they were like, well, you're funny, and you're blunt, and you're sarcastic. And this was during the time when like, Shane Dawson was really big and Jenna Marbles and they're like you're you're just as funny as them you should do YouTube and so I just said no nah, no nah, I'm, I'm not gonna do it um, for obvious reasons that is terrifying <laughs> um, but but then uh, what had happened was uh, while I was trying to promote my first book I created a blog like so many authors do and it was doing okay I had like 200 loyal followers but I had had 200 loyal followers for over a year and no, nothing was growing I wasn't re you know reaching new a new audience and on top of that I really fucking hate blogging. It is just not for me. I love to write fiction and stories. I don't like to blog about like real world shit or my writing journey. This just wasn't interesting to me at all. I have no problem talking about, you know, my writing journey, but you know, writing it and proofreading it for me is, is dull. So around the time that uh, Cliff broke his spine, I um, had to quit blogging as well. And obviously this, this was a horrible time in my life, but at the same time I was I did not miss blogging. I'll just put it that way. I was like, oh, okay, this was, this was you know, a convenient, a convenient <laughs> uh, way to not have to blog anymore. And when it came time to start my platform up again, I was just dreading going back into blogging. I was like, I really don't want to do this. And so all those voices in the back of my head about how you'd be so good at YouTube, they were just kind of shouting at me. And, I, and that's when I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try it out. It'll probably fail. And at least I can say I tried because my time on this planet is short. Mm. Um, so I tried YouTube at the time. I could only find like four other YouTubers on YouTube who were talking about writing. Um, and they all had like 1,000 to 6,000 subscribers. So like a small amount, but more than I ever dreamed that I could achieve. Um, so I was like, okay, well, there's not a lot of writers on here. I wonder why <laughs> that's, that's shocking news, you know, like no one wants to be here because we're all introverts, but I, I was terrified and I just gave it a shot because people said that I'd be good at it. And it ended up exploding beyond all of my comprehension. Now I'm at 186 thousand subscribers I still I still can't get over it um but that was my journey to go into YouTube for why I would recommend it to other people if they're you know suited for it if they're comfortable you're never going to be comfortable with it at first just throwing that out there so if you're if you think you can become comfortable with it um the great thing about YouTube is that it's not oversaturated like blogs and author websites and um like those blog swaps and things like that, mailing lists, all those things, every single author has one and it makes it a lot harder to stand out. With YouTube, I can only think of maybe 
at this point, like 30 or so um, writers on YouTube who are regularly talking about writing. It's a much more, uh, it's a much smaller community. And so it's a lot easier to stand out and get attention that way. So if it is something that you think you have, you know, the balls to do, to go for, um, it'll be a lot easier for you to stand out as opposed to blogging or something like that. This is a completely tangential question. But, um, <laughs> so I know you said you hated blogging, but um, do, so you must script your videos. Yes. Right. Okay. So why? So you must have a metric fuckload of scripts. <laughs> why would you not turn them into a nonfiction book? It, it's funny because the way I write my scripts, I, I write my scripts the way I talk. Yeah. So they're all grammatically incorrect and they're all filled with fucks and shits and so are my books. <laughs> yeah. but this is like on another level <laughs> so for me it's just as it is it's so much easier to write a script than yeah. it is to um write a blog post because you have to clean it and make sure you trim it down and things like that whereas when i write a script it can be rough and messy and then i go to film my video and i can kind of decide what i want to say and what i don't want to say while i film so it eliminates the whole need of the editing and the polishing and the the part of writing blogs that i hated i didn't mind creating the content it was trying to make it all pretty and perfect afterward and so the thought of transitioning that into a nonfiction book it is something that's on my mind something that's kind of like okay for the future but it's just not something that i have any interest in doing right now because mm -hmm. oh just the thought of having to comb through something that's already not particularly engaging for me like again and again oh my gosh i would need a lot of wine for that <laughs> <laughs> i no i completely understand um <clears throat> excuse me we we all have the things that we don't want to do and um yeah so no i definitely understand that it is definitely one to think about though because non-fiction is a fantastic perennial seller uh, so yeah just, just oh it totally it. is that's that's why it's on my radar but it's also kind of like i've got so many projects going on right now it's like it's on my radar in the mm. distance <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. Distant I, future when yeah. things calm down. Yeah. At half past never. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it one day. <laughs> um, so you've talked about the fact that YouTube isn't saturated at the moment, but is YouTube um, a good platform for authors to find readers? And what what does it really take to create, um, you know, a viable platform as an author? Um, I'll start with the first question. I definitely think it's a good platform to find readers. I think something, I forgot the exact number, but something like well over 80% of my readers come from my channel. So clearly they're there, they're on YouTube, you know? And the thing is, is that YouTube appeals to anyone. It appeals to most, if not all age categories. Um, and a lot of people read. So there are going to be people on YouTube who are just dicking around trying to find something entertaining to watch or something to learn who are going to be you know, a reader, and they're going to be potentially interested in your book. So I definitely think it's a good way to reach readers, especially if you're talking about something that's reading related. My channel is all writing advice. I give writing advice. I make fun of tropes I don't like. I talk about my favorite tropes. And so a lot of, most of the people who watch my channel are writers. Most writers are readers. Um, and then the subcategory of people who watch my channel who aren't writers are 
readers. <laughs> so that's where my whole audience is all about books. So it is a really great way to meet readers. <clears throat> In terms of what goes into a channel, I think the, the number one piece of advice I give to people is to be genuine and authentic to yourself because that is to me the most obvious thing to do. Um, but at the same time, it's the thing that most people don't do. They think they have to put on a mask or a particular personality or emulate someone else in order to be popular. Um, you'll see a lot of people who will join a community and try to duplicate whoever's popular in that community. People can see that immediately and then they don't like you because you seem like a phony. So be genuine to yourself. If you're, if you're an awkward person, lots of writers are awkward. So that could be cute. That could be your stick you know like it, it you just you don't want to put on a front that isn't who you are because people are going to be able to tell and they're not going to like it um so i would so also just to just to come in on that point i think that's even more true of audio and visual uh, and visual formats because hmm. when you are on screen or people are listening to your voice you cannot hide who you are right because it's it's just obvious and um, it's, it's it's a deeper connection than just words on a page so yeah I completely completely agree exactly um, another thing I would say is be sure to um, edit your footage because that's one of the big determiners of whether or not people will continue to watch your channel is if someone has uh, videos of them where there's lots of lulls and lots of them clearing their throat or lots of uh so anyway <laughs> yeah I'm really nervous sorry like cut that crap out one because they don't have time they're on YouTube because they want some instant gratification and two because it's uncomfortable to watch and if anything it'll give them like secondhand embarrassment for you like oh they look so nervous and, you know like trim the stuff make it more compact so it's easier to watch it gets to the point and it's more entertaining that way okay I had one more point editing oh sound quality make sure you have good sound quality you could get away with a lot of i guess amateur practices on youtube so long as the sound quality is good so i would say be genuine have good sound quality edit your content and make sure that you are providing something that people actually want um there are a lot of people who will start their youtube channel and their first video is an introduction to me and hi this is me this is what i'm about um my favorite color is green and it's like no one knows who you are no one is going to be like who's this stranger on the internet i want to know more about her you know like provide something that people are interested in for me it was writing advice um something that you feel you could give um an interesting and new outlook on and as your audience grows and as you provide more content for them they will become interested in you and they will become interested in what you have to offer and that's the point when you say okay here's a video about me i'm awesome and here's why here are my books but first you gotta you gotta appeal to what they want and their needs yeah absolutely um <clears throat> excuse me there, oh, i'll have to edit that one out <laughs> <laughs> um, so how can you use YouTube then to, to market your books? Oh, sorry. I thought there was going to be a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was. I mean, I did look like I was going to do that for, for, listen, for listeners. No, I was no, looking no. 
um, you, YouTube for me is my primary source of marketing for my books. And it's awesome because not only is it free marketing, it's marketing I'm getting paid for because I get, you know, ads on my videos. So I'm essentially getting paid to make a video about like, here's my book, The Savior's Champion. Here's why you should buy it. Um, but like I said, I started off my channel making, giving writing advice, you know, appealing to what my audience is looking for. And then as things rolled on and my audience grew and they asked more questions about me and what I'm working on, that's when I could make videos where I talk about, you know, this is my upcoming release and this is what it's about. And um, this is my favorite characters. And so I've been able to make a ton of videos. I've made, um, you know, the book trailer for The Savior's Champion. I had uh, videos where I introduced... Oh, thank you. <laughs> I had videos where I introduced all the characters. I described there's, you know, a gladiatorial tournament and the Savior's Champion, and I described the tournament and the rules of the tournament and stuff like that. And it got people super hyped and amped for the release. Um, and at the same time, it's like I'm getting ads on these videos and I'm getting paid to market my books. So, uh, Oh, oh, and then of course, at the end of every single video, I remind people the Savior Champion is available in ebook, paperback, hardback, signed hardback, as well as audiobook. And I give everyone the links um, at the bottom or in the description of the videos. So for me, it's basically not only am I appealing to my audience and um, you know providing a service, I'm also you know easily marketing my work alongside of it and. Uh, that, that's pretty much the reason that I, I'm able to do what I love for a living is because I have this constant stream of marketing going. That, I mean, it is literally a win-win on, on YouTube in terms yeah. of marketing in your books. You're proper laughing. That is fantastic. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I should do a YouTube channel. <laughs> um, You'd be great at it. Oh, stop. Uh, <laughs> I know we've talked uh, a little bit before about this, but um, I think it's a really important question. And I think it's one um, that lots of indies coming into the industry don't necessarily think about uh, from the start. They kind of just want to get their book out and don't really think about the writing as a business. Um, so I'll get to the point. Multiple streams of income are essential for authors. So how can you use YouTube uh, to create multiple streams of income or what are the different types of income streams that you can get from from YouTube? Well, first and foremost, obviously releasing a book, that'll be your first stream of income. I, I recommend depending on your genre and depending on your reach, um, having as many uh, versions of the book as possible, ebook, hardback, paperback, audiobook, diversify those streams if you can and if it makes sense for the genre. Um, in terms of YouTube, the first and most obvious one are, is AdSense. Um, having ads on your videos, once you are at a level where your videos can be monetized, um, that's just kind of an obvious, easy stream of income right there because you're getting paid to release your videos. Um, it's not as much as I think a lot of people assume. A lot of people assume that uh, all YouTubers are like multimillionaires. And I mean, there are definitely are some, um, but it's, it's not, it's probably not going to be as much as a lot of people are predicting. So that's something to keep in mind, which brings me to my next point, sponsorships. Um, you can get a company to sponsor your video where basically for a minute at the beginning of the video, you're 
sort of providing a brief commercial for them. You're just saying, hey, this video was sponsored by XYZ. This is what the company's about. I really like them and this is why. Um, and they're offering a discount for you guys. That's usually how it goes. Um, sponsorships, in my opinion, or at least from my experience, are typically more a higher income stream than the ads on the videos, which is why they're very um, desirable to have. However, be aware that you don't become one of those people who's just snapping up every sponsor you can get. Because once you become like that, where it's just you, you will take any sponsorship they throw your way, your audience is gonna know it and they're not going to appreciate it. Um, for example, with me, I receive at least one sponsorship offer a day. <laughs> like they, they come in constantly. And a lot of them have absolutely nothing to do with my platform. I've gotten sponsorship opportunities for like perfume and dog food. And I've got, I got one for vagina vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's I, made I my week. <laughs> <laughs> I was just mad that they didn't call them vaginamins. Like that felt like a opportunity. <laughs> See this, this right here is why you need to watch Jenna's YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I'm just looking at it. I actually got that one a lot, but I just kept looking at it. Like, what does this have to do with writing? Like this is not applicable to my platform at all. So I'll, I'll only accept sponsorships. My personal criteria is I'll only accept sponsorships if I use the product personally, I like the product personally, and I think it'll benefit my audience. Um, because there are some companies that have talked to me that I actually like what they're selling, but it has nothing to do with what my audience is interested in. So I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I have to decline. So that would be my advice is once you get to a level where you can have sponsors, be picky because you don't want to make this money and as a result you lose your following because they're now seeing you as greedy and i think that advice is applicable to affiliate marketing as well so <laughs> i i definitely uh, do affiliate marketing there are certain but i i apply that exact same criteria so if i have taken a course for example and i have loved it and implemented everything that i've learned why the hell wouldn't I promote it, you know? Exactly. Um, so, and, and the thing is, I would promote that regardless of whether or not I was being paid as an affiliate. And, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the way that I look at it. Would I promote this still, even if I wasn't, you know, going to get a, a, an affiliate payout? If the answer is yes, well, then I'll promote it. And, and I'll also be an affiliate, obviously, obviously. Um, exactly. And, and some people, no matter what, they'll just say you're greedy if you take any sponsor or affiliate, even if it's the situation you described. But the fact is, is all, a lot of the sponsors who have contacted me, or actually all the sponsors that have sponsored me these are companies that i would promote anyway mm -hmm. and if you're going to pay me to do the thing that i was going to do anyway yeah i think i think literally every person would be like okay there was literally one <laughs> I, i'm not going to say who because oh, what if you watch this <laughs> well no 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 but it's a good thing but uh but um there was one company that i was literally already scripting a video about that topic and i was going to name drop the company like this is a company that i use for this particular um situation and they emailed me literally like 
the week I was scripting that video and they were like, we would like to sponsor a video. And I'm like, well, have I got a pitch for you. How about yeah. we do this video <laughs> topic? Like I'm literally already making the video, but I mean, it just works out perfectly. And at, you know, then you get paid to promote a company that you already really like and we're going to do anyway. Um, but I was actually going to mention affiliates. It's the same deal. If you're on YouTube, you will make more money from a sponsor than an affiliate. However, both options are totally um, worthwhile and worth looking into um, if you are a writer on YouTube. Um, another stream of income that's a lot easier. This is another thing you can do whether you're on YouTube or not, but it's much easier on YouTube and that's merch. If you've got t-shirts, um, phone cases, laptop cases, mugs, those are big sellers. Um, the reason it's easier on YouTube is because YouTube recently, well, maybe not that recent, but within the last year, I think, they released uh, the YouTube merch shelf, which basically beneath all your videos, there will be a line uh, featuring all of your merch that's available. And so people will watch your video, scroll down a little bit, and oh, now they see that you have mugs and t-shirts and things like that. And they can click directly on the, on the line of merch and it will take them to your merch store. So it makes it a lot easier to sell merch if you have that capability. Um, and then that's an additional line of income. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, I am suffering. I'm a little bit under the weather, under the weather for everybody listening. That's why I'm coughing and sniffing. No worries. I love merch because it's an area that writers don't capitalize on. And, you know, if you don't want to do all the setup yourself, even though it's really easy and there are companies and websites where you can import your own designs and create your own merch and mm -hmm. you can sell those rights if you are a self-published author and um, because you own the rights this is this is the amazing and wonderful world of, of being an indie author you you can slice up your book pie you could sell gaming rights or t-shirt rights or whatever and and over and over again if you if you limit the license as well so definitely something uh, to to think about and also like you had mentioned it is really easy to set it up yourself i created my merch store in one day like i just carved out an afternoon and created the merch store in terms of making the designs i do have a bit of design background so that made it a little bit easier however um i know plenty of people who hire designers on fiverr um you know there you have lots of avenues that you can choose from um and so it's one of those things where a lot of people think it sounds like too good to be true and overwhelming or like oh that's only something that the big you know creators do but it's it's a lot uh easier to handle than i think a lot of people assume yeah and also you if you ever want to do in-person things say you go to a con or a festival or a, or a if you know for me it would be young adult literature conference um you can then bulk order your own products and have your merch mm -hmm. on your stalls which bumps up your stall it makes everything look pretty uh why would you not do that uh right exactly so now, note to self <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, exactly. That, that's totally how it is, especially for in-person events. People are just going to snatch that stuff up. You know, it's right there. It's very enticing and it's so cute and pretty. You know, everyone exactly. loves good bookish merch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, also, so, oh, oh, we forgot one. Patreon. 
Mm -hmm. So you have a Patreon. You have an amazing Patreon. So um, talk to me about how you how you ended up with Patreon um, and how you've grown it and and how you use that to inter I suppose interact and uh, with your YouTube. Just just tell me everything about Patreon. <laughs> I think Patreon is a really, really great option for writers. There are a ton of writers on Patreon. It becomes, again, easier if you're a YouTuber because you're a lot more visible. And um, it, it usually you can uh, create rewards that are YouTube related, but I'll get, into, get to that in a little bit. Um, basically, I'm sure everyone's already aware, but just in case, Patreon is a platform where creators like artists, writers, um, content creators, etc., um, can create a little platform where they accept uh, donations from their fans. They accept, you know, cash usually on a monthly basis from their fans. And in return, those fans receive some kind of reward or prize as a thank you. Um, I didn't have an interest in setting up a Patreon account at first because one, I assumed, oh, no one wants to be my patron. Like I thought I was too small. And two, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. It feels a little uncomfortable putting up a page to be like, give me money. You know, like it just, it felt a little weird. Um, and what tipped me over the edge to trying it was that I started receiving messages from people saying, where's your Patreon page? I want to become a patron. And I was like, really? Like, for me? Wow, you know? Like, it was, it was unexpected, and I didn't realize that a lot of people, like, it's not a pressure thing. No one is forced to become a patron. Pe people set up these pages because they're fans or readers or, you know, subscribers. They want to help. They want access to the rewards. Um, so I created the Patreon page. Um, right now, I change them every once in a while, but usually not dramatically. Right now, um, there's a $1, $5, $10, $20, and $50 tier. Um, and sometimes people get overwhelmed in terms of how to set those up. Um, what I've learned is to just look at other Patreon pages, especially people who are have a similar platform to you. So for me, I would look at writers and uh, YouTubers, especially popular ones who are known for being, you know, ethical and things like that. Look at what they're doing and it gives you an idea of what your audience would um, expect. For my $1 tier, I have a exclusive access to a private Discord writing group called Cyborg Central. And that is the main reason people become patrons. It's $1 a month to join a private writing group. Um, it's very, uh, uh, we, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, <laughs> we have lots of moderators and things like that. So I, I, at least from my experience, I've joined a lot of writing groups where you go in there and you're like, yikes, everyone's an asshole, I'm out, you know, it, it, it's uncomfortable. Um, but we've got moderators in this group and it's kind of like a big happy family and people get along really, really well and people are super supportive and um, it's just really, really fun to be a part of it. And we've got writers at all levels in the group. So there are people who are writing fan fiction, there are people who are writing their very first book, there are people who are multi-published, there are bestsellers. You know, we've got a ton of people in the group. So you've got 
um, a wealth of knowledge and different experiences and things like that. So that's the biggest draw people have um, to becoming my patron. Um, there's also like the $5 tier, you get early access to my videos. For the $10 tier, you can um, request video topics and I'll dedicate a video to you, things like that. $20 tier is the um, monthly live stream where we'll chat face to face, you know, <laughs> via the computer and I'll answer <laughs> everyone's questions. Um, but yeah, it, it's actually been so much fun for me. I, I thought, like I, like I said, I was uncomfortable with it at first, um, but I actually really, really enjoy it. And you get to tell your patrons what you're using the funds towards. Some writers say, hey, this pays my bills. These, this is, this is going to pay the mortgage. That's why I have a Patreon. Um, for me, all of my Patreon funds get reinvested into my platform. So, um, and I'll ask my patrons what they want out of my platform. So I asked them what they were interested in coming up when the Savior's Champion was releasing and they said they wanted character art. So I got character art. And um, I'm, I was able to upgrade my platform, get new lighting equipment, get a new backdrop, get a new camera, get a new microphone, everything because of my patrons. And they're totally aware of where the money goes to. And it's just a very transparent relationship. And I definitely recommend setting one up, but be ethical about it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think the magical thing about Patreon is that one of an author's I, I, I guess dreams is to be able to connect with their readers and that this is the prime opportunity for you to be able to do that and you can give you know the, the people who want more from you more you know exactly. I, it is it is literally um yeah I, lo I love it and speaking of which if you would like to get early access to the Rebel Author podcast, then you can do so by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. That is Sasha with yes. a Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, great segue there. Um, <laughs> so if, okay, let's say somebody wants to set up a brand spanking new uh, author tube platform what what kit and equipment would they really what what basic basic stuff would they need to be able to start their channel well i started my channel with natural lighting and um my facetime camera and i did pretty well so <laughs> a lot of people they start their channel and they go all out they just get all the expensive lighting equipment, they get a diva ring, they get um, just everything expensive, expensive backdrop, and then their channel doesn't do well, and they've been doing it for years, and they still only have, you know, 100 subscribers, and they realize, I just spent a lot of money on something that didn't end up working for me. So I don't personally recommend that. Other people will say differently, but I, I'm aware that a lot of writers are on a budget, so don't, don't spend the money if you don't have to spend it, yet. Um, I think the most important things to have are one, editing software. You cannot just put together a YouTube video and then throw it on the internet. You have to be able to edit it. You need to um, be able to add, uh, well, cut the clips and cut out all the crappy stuff. You need to be able to add um, sound effects and things like that. This will increase your watch time um, by a lot. So get editing software. A lot of times you can get it for free. iMovie just came on my MacBook Pro like it was already there and totally free to use. So that shouldn't be a big expense. You don't need to get something like Final Cut Pro 
right at the beginning, which is more expensive, obviously. That's something where once it once you've seen that the juice is worth the squeeze, then you can start shelling out the money. The other thing that I would recommend is a microphone. Just get a good microphone so you have good sound quality because that is the one thing that uh, subscribers are not going to forgive. They will forgive if your lighting sucks. They will forgive if your camera quality isn't that great. They will not forgive if your voice is annoying to listen to. They're not gonna be able to tolerate the video and they're going to click out. So get a good microphone and that's pretty much what I would recommend for the basics. You can film on your phone, you can film on your laptop, you don't need to get the camera. Um, park yourself in front of a window with good lighting and use that at the start. Once you get further along and it's proving fruitful to your endeavors, you can invest in a, you know, a low cost uh, diva ring, ring light, um, and then once, you get to a much bigger position, that's when you can probably get a nicer camera or additional lights. I have got three lights in front of me, one behind me. It's just a big light collection. But I wasn't, I didn't even look into that until I was past 100,000 subscribers. Um, uh, number one, I absolutely love that you call it a diva ring. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's actually, that's one of the brands. I think it's because of beauty influencers. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's yeah. very popular for beauty influencers. Yeah. But yeah, they're, uh, one of the brands is called Diva Ring. And I always remember that before Ring Light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing to say is that um, iMovie Maker is not hard to learn to use. I, if I managed to teach myself to edit some film videos using, ironically, YouTube tutorials, <laughs> anybody can do that. But so don't think that you have to invest in a really complicated, expensive course to teach yourself how to edit. Just go to YouTube and, and, and find the free, free videos because I found a plethora of things on there uh, which helped me to edit. Very basic, yeah. but still. Um, yeah, iMovie is super easy to use. I was able to teach it to myself, at least the basics of it, without even um, checking the YouTube tutorials yet, though I did that later for the sound effects and things like that. But for just like trimming and clipping video content, I just dicked around with it and figured it out in like 15 minutes. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So it's really, really easy. You don't need to, like you said, you don't need to invest in Final Cut Pro until you're at a position where you need the bells and whistles. So the other thing that I thought was interesting kind of leads into the next question um, where you spoke about having good quality audio. I completely agree. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the interesting thing is, and this may, I don't know if you can do this on YouTube, but I know that you definitely can on audiobooks and podcasting. But people, I certainly listen to all of my podcasts and audiobooks on double speed. So the voice no longer makes a difference to me because I'm just trying to absorb the content. I don't know if you can watch YouTube on double speed, but I just, I think that's, I think it's an interesting behavioral change that's happening. Um, mm -hmm. And it means that the things that you might've been concentrating on, like for example, getting the top quality um, audio is for, for me as a consumer, less important than what you're saying and, and mm -hmm. the information that I'm gaining for it. But I'll get to the point. Um, I would love to know what you think is going to happen uh, for the future of YouTube with things like artificial intelligence and the voices being able to, um, you know, create, um, uh, they can replicate your voice um, with VR. 
what, where do you think it's where do you think it's gonna go uh, I just want to say that my fiance loves you for this question. He is a, <laughs> he's a, a total tech nerd and he is obsessed with AI and VR. And just when he saw that this was going to be in the interview, he was like, oh, yay. Like, he was so excited. Um, but yeah, I think it's only like a lot of people when approach this topic, they kind of like brush it off like, oh, whatever. It's, you know, that's days away. Um, but the fact is, is that this happens all the time. You know, I mean, YouTube completely disrupted media and entertainment and learning. I mean, it's, there are people alive who don't remember a time before YouTube. I remember a time before YouTube. <laughs> and I know okay. that I, I saw the transition. <laughs> it, I feel it, so old. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're in it together. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I saw the transition and it totally changed the game. I mean, now there are people on TV who have to make sure their programs are also on YouTube or else they're not going to get, you know, the, the rate of, you know, activity that they once did. Um, I don't know. AI is like one of the realms of thought that is a little like scary to me. So yeah. Like, so I haven't Anyone seen the matrix. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, but I know with VR, especially, I think that's going to have a big impact on YouTube, um, especially in specific niche markets, especially with entertainment. And I think with learning channels, like my channel is kind of half learning, half entertainment. I think it'll make things a lot more, uh, hands-on literally and uh you know a lot more accessible and so i'm kind of excited about that at the same time there's a part of me that's like oh that'll this will be something new i have to learn <laughs> i've learned so much but it, it's kind of it'll be interesting to see how things change um okay this is my favorite question this <laughs> is the rebel author podcast so tell and i think you've already told me many many times already on this 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 show but tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel <laughs> well i think kind of my entire uh becoming a writer experience and um starting my youtube platform was rebellious <laughs> i think i feel like the whole path toward it was rebellious because the only person in my life who supported that decision was cliff cliff was like you're a very talented writer you have you know a funny upbeat personality we both have a background in business we can make this we can make this work um whereas everyone else around me was like you know continue down uh, the expected path, you know, the straight and narrow, all that, you know, be the, the good girl working in finance. And um, I didn't have support from anyone except Cliff, I mean, which was the most important. But uh, yeah, I just did it anyway, because it's what I wanted. And the way I saw it was, well, it's my life. And I'm going to be the one lying on my deathbed with regrets. Not you, you're, you know, mom, dad, all my friends, they're not going to have any regrets if I don't pursue this. This is about me. This is not their problem. So I feel like the entire purpose of setting up my platform was rebellious in that way. And, um, and also my platform itself is a little rebellious. People sometimes get offended because I am a woman who has opinions and I'm not shy about it. And I enjoy some colorful language and I like writing that way too you know I like writing a lot, a lot of people um, expect women to write certain kinds of books and I write what I want to write and um, 
I like violence. I like action. I love me some good romance. Um, and I like sprinkling some, some colorful language amid it all. So I feel like my whole uh, writer journey has been uh, rebellious to a certain degree. Um, that said, it's funny because people assume that I'm like a natural rebel in real life, but I'm such a square. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I, I really, I have no interesting, like, younger day stories where it's like, oh, yeah, we did this and it was crazy. I, like, never got invited to parties. I, I was, you know, the nerd who graduated high school with a 4.35 GPA. Like, I was just not, I'm, I'm not rebellious in that way. But I'll make rebellious business decisions. How yeah. about that? <laughs> Also, I'm totally with you uh, on the people being offended. I've genuinely had one star reviews because my writing books are filled with naughty swear words. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know what? You can take your one star review and shove it up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Also, though, that's fine. That's great. You are just not one of my readers. You know, I, exactly. I'm cool with that. You know, it's fine. What, what's funny to me is when people are like, oh my gosh, Jenna's books have swear words. And it's like, have you seen one of my videos? <laughs> this is toned down. Like I go through my books and I literally will like look for the fucks and I will be like, do I need this fuck? And if it stays, it's because I felt like I needed that fuck. Yeah. So I don't do that with my videos, but I do that with my books. So it's like, this is the toned down Jenna. You watch my videos, you see that I make dick jokes aplenty, and you thought my book wouldn't be the same? Like, hmm, that sounds like a personal problem. And that right there is the reason I'm moving into adult fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you? Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, because so, I just, it's just all the swear words and, and the, the, you know, sex and violence and all of the yeah. you know, meaty issues. I just can't be dealing with non 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 oh my gosh you just got me so excited <laughs> looking at <how> racing <laughs> adult fantasy is my favorite so i'm okay. like oh, yeah <laughs> um okay tell everyone where they can find out more about you your books and where to find your youtube channel well, uh, my channel is probably the easiest to find. It's youtube.com slash Jenna Moresi, or, or you can search for Writing with Jenna Moresi on YouTube. Um, I'm pretty much under the name Jenna Moresi everywhere. So you can find my website at jennamoresi.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as Jenna Moresi, Instagram as Jenna Moresi, uh, and that's M-O-R-E-C-I. It's a weird one, I know. Um, and you can find my books pretty much all over the place. Uh, the Savior's Champion is available on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble. I mean, I've even seen it at Target and Walmart. It's crazy. You can find it anywhere. Um, and I also have signed copies available on my website that you can purchase. And we have the audiobook out. Um, if you are new to Audible, you can listen to The Savior's Champion for free, um, which is awesome. I love that. So yeah, you can't avoid it. Get the book. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you very much to all the patrons supporting the show. Thank you very much to listeners. And thank you very much to Jenna. I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Jenna and Moresi. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'll be talking to Zach Bohannon all about money and finances for authors. It's a controversial topic, but one that I think needs addressing in the community. There are a lot of authors who want to quit their jobs, and unfortunately, debt or finances get in the way. I was one of those authors, and it's the reason why I am so fascinated by this topic, and it may end up being a book in the future. I'm not sure. 
I am very, very excited for next week's episode because it's one of the episodes I am most proud of. I can't wait to share it all with you. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Bye.